What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, check out the links in the description of each episode to access our email, Twitter, website, and YouTube channel. As another year comes to a close, we want to send out a heads up about some schedule changes taking effect in January. Instead of posting an episode each week, we'll be moving to every other week to allow myself and the show to breathe a little bit, but our Tales and Sales episodes will still be falling into one of the off weeks each month, so the frequency of those won't be changing. Also, we are hoping to publish more Spotlight episodes during those down weeks as the year moves on, but not just ones with developers, potentially any industry people, but also some conversations with fellow gamers. So stay tuned. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. SteamWorld Heist is the game for this week's episode. SteamWorld Heist is a 2D tactical shooter, and I see a lot of similarities, almost like a cross between Chroma Squad and Void Bastards, but I would say most accurately it's kind of like the Mario Rabbids games that have been coming out. I think there's two of them, but it definitely takes a lot from a lot of tactical games like Felseal, Arbiter's Mark, things like that. The game was originally released in December of 2015 on the 3DS, and then in June of 2016 it came to PC, Mac, PS4, and Vita, and it is cross-buy on Vita. In October of 2016 it came to Wii U, so this game is definitely on some older systems, and in November of 2016 it came to iOS. And finally, in December of 2017, it made its way to the Switch. So no Xbox port for this game. The game was developed by a studio called Image and Form, and they're out of Sweden. And they were a small team, I believe, but now they've kind of been lumped in as part of Thunderful Games. And Image and Form has done some other SteamWorld games that you've probably heard of. So they did SteamWorld Heist, SteamWorld Dig, I think SteamWorld Dig 2, and I think recently uh, they're doing SteamWorld Build. But this is all under the umbrella of Thunderful Games. The game was originally published by Image and Form, so it was self-published. Uh, now their games all kind of fall under the umbrella of Thunderful Games, so they publish them as well. The game had DLC in April of 2016. It was released. It's called The Outsider. I think that's the only DLC we have, and it was released for Wii U and PS4. And then in December of 2017, that came to the Switch with the Switch port in what was called the Ultimate Edition. The game also had physical releases, and in October of 2016, the SteamWorld Collection, which was a collection of SteamWorld Dig and SteamWorld Heist, that came to PS4 and Wii U, uh, and that, of course, came with that Outsider DLC, and that was published by Maximum Games and Rising Star. In December of 2017, Limited Run had a release of the game on Vita, and then in July of 2020, Super Rare Games had a Switch release of the single game and the Steam World Collection that came with Heist and Dig, and so a lot of physical ports for this game. The game was originally released with an MSRP of $14.99. That Outsider DLC was $4.99, 
That SteamWorld Collection that was released for PS4 and Wii U, that was released at $39.99. The Limited Run Games for PS Vita release, that was released at $24.99. And then the two Super Rare Games releases, the Single Game and the SteamWorld Collection with Dig, were $35 and $68 respectively. The game has a runtime straight through with the story of about 12 hours. Uh, you can definitely take your time going through this, this tactical game, extra things for you to find. You can go back and replay missions and get better reputation. It might take you anywhere to 15, maybe 20 plus hours. The game does have a platinum trophy for our PlayStation listeners. It seems super tough. It's definitely not something I'm going to go for. Me, I got this on sale on PS4 for $7.99. And of course, I got the cross-buy on Vita. So I've been playing it on the Vita. And I've put in close to six hours uh, there's like three main worlds or three, I think, areas that you have to get through, and I'm somewhere in the second one. I just jumped over to the second one, and I beat a couple levels. In terms of recommendations, obviously this game has been out for a while. This whole sort of universe has been out. I've definitely seen all these games a lot on sale, sometimes for super, super cheap, like under $3. And so I bought this game way back when, especially when I heard hosts of Acts of the Blood God talk about it. Cat Bailey, she definitely talked about the SteamWorld games a lot. I know they're big RPG fans, as well as the many physical editions that I've seen through email, because I would subscribe to Super Rare and Limited Run, and also a little bit on Twitter as well. So definitely seeing these games around. Let's talk gameplay for Steam World Heist. So the basic premise and the basic back and forth gameplay is very much like Void Bastards, which is a game that we covered way back when. The idea is you have this overworld map, you're kind of choosing where to go, your location, and then you go in a level for like a combat level and a lot of looting, and then you come back out, you do a lot of inventory swapping and getting better stuff. So when you're on the overworld, it's kind of like a map, uh, similar to Void Bastards, but also similar to even old school games like Super Mario World. Uh, so you're in outer space and the different levels or the different points that you can stop at are basically spaceships. So you can go in them as levels. And the available path is always like not necessarily linear. You can go down a couple different ways and you're free to move through the available places to go as long as you don't hit a gate or a point that's kind of blocked off. Some of these levels in the spaceships are going to be battle levels. Some of them are going to be shops where you can kind of free roam that are like safe locations where you're actually moving your character. It's not tactical and you can talk to NPCs and stuff. And then, of course, some are going to be locations that you can't get to or can't get through unless you have a certain amount of reputation stars, which we'll talk about. And when you're on the overworld, you can go to different locations and you'll get sort of an info box about who or what is there, the description, if it's a battle level, like what's going on, if there are shops or NPCs there. If it's a gate, it'll tell you like what the requirements are in terms of reputation in order to get past. You'll see like a little lock. And then in the battle levels, what you're going to see are how many of your party members you're allowed to bring into that battle level. So that gives it some kind of indication of the complexity of that level, as well as what objectives, once you click on it, you 
will need to do in order to gain reputation stars. So it's very similar to something like Overcooked as you're traversing the map, like you can get one, two, or three stars depending on your performance there. So there are specific objectives for how to do that. And it might be like kill a certain number of enemies or kill all the enemies or collect all the scrap that's there or things like that. When you're in some of these levels, let's talk about what that's like. So let's start with like the sort of safe areas or places where you might have a shop. Again, this is kind of free roam, which is different than battle levels. Battle levels are tactical, so you're just controlling your character and it's like 2D side scrolling. And basically you have shops where you can walk up to items and buy things. You can talk to NPCs. Items or things that you can buy are basically weapons or other things that you can equip to your different characters. So here's where you're going to access things about your inventory and you can buy like extra storage for your inventory because your inventory has limited slots. And you're gonna be spending some of the currency that you get from the battle levels, which is water. And of course you can also talk to NPCs, like I said, and there might be some advanced quests. You might get some exposition about characters and you might be able to recruit different party members and put them in your party and be able to take them in on battle levels. So let's talk about battle levels. So when you click into a battle level, of course it tells you how many characters you can bring in. So you'll start with the character select screen from who you have. And when you look at your character select screen, you can swap in different characters that you have and you'll be able to equip them with one weapon and sort of two items. And these items can range from a bunch of different things. They can give you passive buffs for your stats for your particular character. It can give you an active ability that you can use in the battle level. Weapons are interesting because different characters sort of have access to different weapon classes. And so there's going to be a lot of weapons in your inventory that certain characters might not be able to equip. And so they have sort of different advantages and disadvantages for different weapon classes. But you'll definitely see a difference in the characters and also the way they talk. Like the big guy is going to be handling the bigger weapons and you'll definitely get used to this as you go in and then once you finalize your characters and all their equipment there'll be sort of like this cutscene where you're walking in and getting into their starting spots in the level and so when you're in the level it's visually the same as if you were in one of the safe areas uh, where you can do shops and stuff like that where it's like this 2d image that's like a cross section of a room or a spaceship that has multiple rooms and so what you're going to see as you pan over on the map there's going to be doors that you have to open there'll be different rooms and there'll be levels in these rooms sometimes that go between rooms or sometimes it's a big room and there'll be ladders that allow you to go down or up different levels once you're in a battle level it's all about turns and movement it's not free movement like in the other levels so everything has to do with tactical rpg playing and it's very much DD inspired and the way your turn works is you get to take the turn of all of your party members and then if there are any enemies that have been revealed they take their turn but if they haven't then you go again with a full turn so when you take your turn again it's like DD, so there are a lot of possibilities for what you're allowed to do you can do a certain movement and then perform an action you can do just the action after which you're not allowed to move so that's very chroma squad i believe or you can do a dash action which is basically moving twice your movement now you can do this in two parts or you can do it in one and what i like about it is as you're moving the cursor around in the level 
it's very color-coded and it gives a lot of icons to give you feedback for what's going to happen if you move your character here. Some of these might be that you're going to interact with a door and open it, which may be a door to a room or a door opening a ladder. It might be that you're picking up an item, which is what you're going to need to do a lot, or it might be having to do with putting yourself in cover, and we'll talk about cover in a minute. In general, just in terms of the movement and the distance that you're moving, if you look at sort of the trajectory of how far your character can move, as long as the line is yellow, that's only doing like half of your movement. But once you go into the blue area, that's going to be your entire movement. So that'll be like your dash action. So the game visually is very responsive with that and it's communicative and I feel like it's very easy to understand, especially if you understand D&D. The different actions that you can perform are based on the abilities that your character has. Some of these are going to be innate. Some of these are going to be because of the items that you equipped. So some of these might be like a special buff for that character. It might be to heal that character. And if it is something that's caused by an item that you have equipped, typically it's a certain number of charges that can be used for that ability per battle, whether it's one or two. And then the other main action that you can do is to shoot your weapon. And this is really cool because once you choose to shoot your weapon, it's a manual aim. And then after you figured out where you're going to aim it, you press the button to shoot it. So I really like that. And how that works is, again, it's 2D. So your character, when they choose to shoot, they'll point it and then you can choose which side they're aiming to, left or right. And then once you do, you can kind of pitch what trajectory the weapon is going to shoot by using the joystick. And this is really interesting when you have the first couple weapons with some of your low-level characters. You're really just going to have to trust your aim and the trajectory. After a while, you can get different kind of upgrades. You can get weapons that have scope lasers where the laser kind of points exactly where it's going to shoot. Some of these are going to have longer range. Some of these are going to be weapons that kind of do a shotgun scatter shot right in front of you. So all those things you need to keep in mind, and it's very trial and error after you shoot a couple times. Doing damage to enemies is interesting because you can crit. I don't know if it's distinctly related to a headshot, but I know that sometimes like I would point it at an enemy's head and it would do more damage, I believe. So you can kind of point what part of the enemy you're going to be able to shoot at. Now, of course, it's not just going to be that enemies are right in front of you, you point and shoot. This is actually going to be a tactical cover shooter, which is really interesting. So as you're picking your movement, what you're going to find are that there are different objects that you can hide behind as cover. And so when you're moving the cursor to move, if you happen to see a shield that pops up, that means that your character is going to be able to hide behind that object. Now what's interesting with hiding behind objects is you can potentially have enemies in front of you or they can move and get behind you. So whatever side of the object you put your character on, that's what side they're going to be able to block from or what side is going to kind of obstruct the enemy shot. The other thing is that the different walls or floors in the room or in the area. Sometimes they may be completely transparent, meaning a shot can go through them, and other times the wall is not going to be penetrable or you're not going to be able to be seen through a wall or it's going to kind of block a shot. So this should be fairly obvious after the first few levels. Like, whenever you see a wall that's like dark black, that is something that enemies don't see you through or can't shoot through. But when you go to a big room and you see a lot of like red mechanical beams or like those, you know, ladder type beams that go across, that that basically means that there are levels in that room but you can shoot up and down levels. One thing that's also interesting is your shot can ricochet 
off of walls and things like that. And so you can actually shoot behind someone who's covering and then it'll bounce off the wall and it might hit them. In the first early goings, this might be random or you might not be able to do this well. But once you start to get maybe a weapon that has a laser, the laser will show you the ricochet pattern as you're doing it. I think it's very dependent on the range that you're shooting because if you shoot it and you're shooting from afar, it's very unlikely that it's going to ricochet because after a while the shot just kind of peters off. When you hide behind objects, they don't just stay there permanently they do have a damage limit like they do have an HP limit so it is possible that you can break up a cover object and expose the enemy or get exposed yourself your characters some of these things that you can hide behind are explosive like they're barrels that have like a flammable sign on it so what can happen is you can shoot it and it'll explode and do sort of environmental AOE damage to enemies so anytime that you see a barrel that has a flammable symbol I would not cover behind it but when when you see an enemy cover behind it it's like oh i'm gonna get him even if i can't hit him with the shot i'm gonna blow up the barrel and then he'll probably die or at least take significant damage some other things that you might come across to be able to use on your character's turn some of the items that you can equip that are like abilities sometimes are free actions and it'll tell you like you can use this as a free action that doesn't change the fact that it might only have a certain number of charges but that can definitely compound the things that a character can do in a turn you can also do melee attack and in fact when you are right next to an enemy an icon pops up for when you're going to put your character there where it's just like a fist which means that if you stand next to an enemy and you wanted to attack them it will have to be melee and that's going to be very specific for your character it's going to be like a character stat what damage they will do in melee and the other thing is health so your characters have health and enemies have health when enemies go down to zero they'll die and explode when your characters do uh, they'll kind of fall apart and have to be picked up we'll talk about dying in a little bit but let's talk about the enemies that you're going to come across so there's a fair variety what you might expect some are shooters some are melee they're going to have to come up to you and hit you with a thing some are like heavy guys the shooters might have varying range as you progress through this game there is definitely like a linear increase in the amount of damage that they do the amount of health that they have uh, the amount of accuracy and sort of intellectual ability to shoot their guns and stuff like that as well as like varied amount of movement that they can go and that often coincides with like the type you'll also eventually come across like boss like enemies it's kind of obvious when you do because there's like a little back and forth dialogue between the leader of your group and whatever enemy that is and these are basically just enemies with more hp more of a move variation as well as increased damage that they can do so it might take longer to beat enemies like this and of course, when you're in these battle levels, you will have objectives that you have to do before you are able to leave. And some of these might be kill a certain number of enemies, kill whatever boss is in that level. Some of these might even be as simple as explore and progress through a certain area. Uh, and when you get there, you can go on the pad to leave and then everybody's done, as well as collecting things like a special stash or a certain number. And then you have sort of sub objectives that are a part of how many reputation points are available at that level. And some of these sub things might be like collect all the scrap that's there and again when you look on the overworld map it's showing you how many possible reputation points are there and when you're in the level the different objectives that you do are going to be how you gain reputation points and reputation points are basically used for unlocking progression in the game so this is really where the game is progressing where you're unlocking the next place to go for some levels you're going to start to experience a countdown at the top of the screen and sometimes this might be there before you perform the objective it might 
be like, you have to do it by this certain amount of turns. And then sometimes it might be after you achieve the objective, it's like you have this amount of time to get out. And some of the consequences for the countdown might be that once it goes down a certain amount, like the threat level might go up. And some of the things you might see are turrets pop out of the ceiling. Enemies may spawn kind of from the background into the foreground and then find you and try to attack you. A lot of the times when this has happened after an objective is completed, you don't have to kill any of these things. You just have to get to the certain specific area that is where you leave, get all your party members on it, and then end your turn, and then you'll leave. After you leave a battle level, there's like a post-level screen, and here it allows you to open all of the different scrap caches that you got, or the different special stashes, and so a lot of times you're going to get the main currency, which is water, and then other times you're going to get different items or weapons that you can equip. You do have a limited inventory, like I said before, so if you get certain items in your inventory and you don't have enough space, right there on that screen you'll be able to sell certain ones to make space for it. Your characters are also going to get experience points and they're going to potentially level up. When they level up it can boost their max HP, it can boost their melee damage, and consistently what's going to happen is they're going to get a new ability. And this might be a passive ability, it might be an action ability, and I really like the variety of the different characters and some of the innate abilities that they have. In terms of pacing and accessibility, again the game really comes down to progressing through the map and going to the different areas. It's pretty simple. You have to get a certain amount of reputation points in order to progress and open up the area that can lead to a couple other levels. When something is like you have to go back to a certain level, there are indicators on the overworld map. Like here is where the next part of the story kind of progresses. You have to go here. And then again, once you kind of complete everything in an area or get most of the reputation points, you will unlock the way to the next major area. And I'm pretty sure there are three major areas, but I could be wrong about that. I'm about halfway through the second one. The battles and the pacing of the battles is pretty good. Again, it kind of tells you how many characters are allowed in each level, and that can kind of be a hint to the complexity or the difficulty of it. But I like the pacing of new enemies, even though there's not much variation in the different types of enemies. Initially, in the first few levels, you're getting a lot of these chintzy melee enemies coming up to you, but then you're gonna get guys with bigger guns or heavy duty enemies dying is something that can happen so when one of your characters dies you'll have to go over just like you would if you were picking up an item or opening a door and you'll have to pick up sort of the scraps and what'll happen is they'll get revived but they won't achieve any XP for that level if all of your characters die Basically what happens is you have to pay a certain percentage of your currency and then they all get revived. There are five difficulty levels. I played on the experienced one, which is like hard. So one down from like the hardest. I feel like it's a fairly good challenge. Ultimately, it's more fun than tough. Like I did have a couple times where one of my party members died and they didn't get experience. I only had one time so far where all of my characters died. So I don't really see a major challenge there. I feel like if you put it up to the highest difficulty, it really might kind of smack you over the head with the amount of enemies that are flooding in or the countdowns or things like that that could potentially make it more challenging. Let's talk about the vibe of Steam World Heist. 
And let's start with the visuals. So like I said, it is a 2D view, but it's basically robots in this 2.5D sort of comic book-esque slash like Paper Mario almost visual where you're constantly like seeing them fidgeting and you see some differentiation between the characters and the backgrounds. A lot of bright metallic colors, like you see a lot of coppers and ambers, like brown, yellow. It's like this tarnished but vibrant sense of the color, like it's very mechanical and industrial. And obviously you're gonna be on spaceships, and so you're seeing a lot of mechanical things in the background, like pipes and different kinds of beams and things like that. And then you're seeing ladders in some of these levels that are connecting different levels of different rooms and you're getting that cross-sectional view like it's basically if a ship was just kind of cut off from the side and you're opening it up and looking on the inside so you're seeing these rooms you're seeing the levels and the ladders and in the background you're definitely just going to see a lot of empty space with stars in terms of audio so it's a very mechanical sort of background noise most of the time but it's Kind of this nice ambient like the loneliness of space but then it's also like things are clanging together and once you're in a battle level like the music definitely ramps up and it's more rhythmic but it's like still those same like mechanical banging sounds and in terms of sound effects like obviously things are going to explode when you shoot barrels that have the flammable sign on it so you really hear that explosion and you really hear like the tinging of when bullets ricochet which is really nice and whenever you kill an enemy or whenever one of your character gets killed it's like this sort of slow motion death and it kind of slows down the sound, which is really nice. And in terms of themes and the setting, so it's basically robot mercenaries. Uh, so it definitely has sort of an outlaw feel, whether it's something like Firefly or like the Outer Worlds. So it's like that space meets West, but there's mercenaries, but it's all robots. Like everyone is a robot and they're made of metal. And there's also like this seedy underbelly, like the black market. It's very like Star Wars cantinas. Anytime you go and see NPCs or like go to a place where you can buy things, it's like hush hush out here in the middle of space. Like hopefully the government or the big corporation doesn't come and find us. But what's also interesting is that there is that sense of like big marketing campaign or sometimes like when you load into the level or go to a new place or something like that there's like this voiceover and maybe there's a little bit of a cutscene, and it's very like Futurama meets Fallout again meets the Outer Worlds where it's like this over-the-top like marketing campaign like clearly this big corporation or the government or whoever is like the big cheese and they're trying to push things over but like you're with all of the low-level people or like the basic people all the mercenaries just trying to get by so with that there is sort of an overarching story like it is there and when you talk to NPCs like you do hear about it and the characters definitely have personality and what I like is whenever you leave like a free roam or a shop level like you go back into your ship and you can walk around your ship and talk to the different NPCs that you've recruited and there's sometimes even an exclamation point above some of them if they have something new to say and so talking to them you get a sense of who they are or like their relationship to your character um, and so you definitely get some exposition of just about like how people talk to each other and sort of the status of things and how life is and so it's really something that I do enjoy that adds a little kind of peppering in of the story.
All right, let's wrap up the conversation about SteamWorld Heist. So this is a great handheld tactical experience. Again, I played it on Vita. It's also available on Switch. I feel like this is perfect to pick up and play a battle level or level up your characters and buy some new equipment and weapons and things like that. Great to play in bed. You can definitely get a level or two in. It's super charming. It has this simple and tight aesthetic. Again, there's like a whole universe of these games. You got SteamWorld Heist, SteamWorld Dig 1 and 2, I believe. It has story. It has characters. It might be more of a minor focus, especially in this game I feel but I feel like the presentation and the touches they really provide this sort of perfect amount of vibe that doesn't take away from the solid tactical gameplay something we didn't talk about is that your characters can wear different hats and you can pick up and find different hats in the levels but sometimes if you're trying to go for a headshot you can actually sometimes shoot the character's hats off and it can happen to you and if it happens to you you have to go like pick it up with your movement so just little touches like that again satisfying gameplay I feel like the gameplay loop is really good I like sort of expanding my inventory or equipping different things or deciding like okay this character is more the melee guy but also has like the big heavy weapon this guy can use his innate ability to like basically cleave enemies and I like recruiting Recruiting different characters, leveling up your party, sort of getting loot, getting in that cycle. I feel like it's a really nice comfort zone. I love the cover strategy. I feel like that is something so interesting. Not quite unique, but definitely something that I've never seen in a tactical game like this. With sort of this vague sense of accuracy falling on your manual shooting. In terms of value... 15 for the MSRP, I feel like that's a solid price, but I'm going to say I am constantly seeing this game and the other SteamWorld games way on sale for like under $5. So if you can find these games for under $5, especially SteamWorld Heist, I think it's a steal, absolute steal. I know it's an older game, we're talking like 2015 3DS Wii U game in 2016, but it really holds up. On the Vita, it's awesome. I would imagine it is similarly awesome on Switch. So definitely a nice, small, sweet, tactical game. Perfect on the Switch or Vita. Cross-buy on Vita. Definitely check that out. I highly recommend this game. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you. <laughs>